Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Great group of kids, huh? Isn't it great to have them? Thank you, parents, for bringing your children uh, to church and putting them in our care. We take this very serious. A lot of work and energy and prayer goes into our children and youth ministry, and we thank you for that. Let's pray. Father, as we are going to spend just the next few moments uh, reflecting on you through your word, we pray that you would turn our hearts toward you. You are worthy of our praise. We have been worshiping this morning and singing praise to your name, and we want to continue to worship by looking into your word today. And we also pray, Father, that as these young people Uh, They continue to worship and learn from your word. Our early childhood class, as they learn from your word today, might your name be uplifted and may we be blessed. We ask this in Christ our Savior's name. Amen. We do have a long history in our church. When I was the the age of the young people that are going to be up here today, um, I I took our confirmation class. We call it Bible Instruction Now. Some of the children here today, uh, their parents, some of you sitting here today, right, and grandparents, uh, you took this class as well, and uh, it's, it's something that we, uh, we put a high priority on. When I, was in, uh, when I graduated from confirmation, back in those days, we, had, we wore gowns, right? We didn't wear caps, but we rented gowns, and we stood up here, and uh, uh, Pastor Peterson gave us all questions at random from an offering plate, picked out our three, we had a big class, and uh, we picked out our three questions, and uh, Pastor Peterson called me up front, it was my turn. Uh, Jim Shmaria, yes, he said, you're a good boy. You know, your father's Jewish. Is that, that was good, you know, I guess. My father's Jewish, and uh, you're a good boy, and so on. You got your three questions? I said, yes. He said, you know the th- answers? I said, yes, which I did. He said, okay, sit down, he said. <laughs> and to this day, I'm not sure <laughs> if he had me sit down because he was convinced I knew them, or he didn't want me to embarrass him, <laughs> because... Uh, I was very shy and very shy, and um, I kind of think it's the latter, but uh, I don't know for sure. <laughs> so when we get to heaven, uh, I'm going to ask Pastor Peterson, hey, do you remember that uh, confirmation day? And it fits with our verse this morning from Hebrews. I'd like to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4, and you know, context is really important. I was at the airport last week, uh, last week ago Saturday, flying home from the pastor's conference in Grand Rapids. And as I was in the in Minneapolis airport, and my flight was delayed, fortunately, because I would never made it from one end of the airport to the other, Minneapolis, in a half hour or whatever I had. So I had some extra time. I kind of wandered around the gift shops in there. It was pretty quiet. And uh, I wandered into one, and there was nobody there but me. And the girl... Making conversation, wasn't so trying to sell me anything. You know, I just said, I'm just kind of killing time, you know. And she, she, so she started asking, you know, where are you from? Where are you going? Oh, I've been there, Seattle. Oh, yeah, I've, I've been to Portland. It rains there all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, it rains there all the time. Um, but she was trying to get a context. You know, she sees people at the everybody at the airport, they're coming or going, right? No one's just hanging out at the airport. I mean, you can't do that if you want it anymore. You have to get a, you know, a, your boarding pass to get through in that area. You're either coming somewhere or you're going somewhere. So she was just trying to get a context to put me in context, you know, where I'm from, where I'm going, and uh, just kind of helped her to talk and visit. And 
and uh, very, very, uh, you know, nice in conversation. And uh, we like to put things in context. We like to put things in a context. I, you know, it's hard to just think of things just sort of on their own out there. And we put them in context. You know, one of the things I really enjoyed with this series we've been doing on our Bible memory verses, what I've been really enjoying preparing these messages is taking many of these verses that I have either maybe haven't fully memorized, but I'm very familiar with because they're, they're pretty well-known verses, many of them that I've grown up with since I grew up in church, that, um, you know, we memorize sometimes verses just sort of kind of random, you know, and we sometimes forget the context, right? And the context adds and helps so much with, with thinking about them. And I've enjoyed this, this series we've been doing, and we're going to continue into the summer, of looking at the, wasn't that great this morning, having the Brigmores up here? And uh, that, was, that was really great. I just appreciated that so much. And in um, the context, what I want to do this morning is we go to Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to look at a very well-known verse, uh, one of the hallmark, if you will, verses when we talk about the Bible, the Word of God. And this verse is, is so well-known. And it's Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, our, our memory verse for this coming week. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the spirit, joints and marrow, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. In verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered, laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And this, this verse, <clears throat> if you've learned verses or you're familiar with you know, teaching or preaching on the word of God, I know you've heard this verse before, right? But the word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And to kind of help you as you learn this verse this week, I'd like you to consider the context a little bit. And we're going to go back in to the beginning of chapter 4. Now remember, the, the epistle is called the epistle to the... Huh? Hebrews. Okay, what you call say? It? Let's try it again. It's the epistle to the... Hebrews. Okay. So primarily... The audience is Jewish believers. They are believers in Jesus Christ, but they are Jewish. And that's why it's called the epistle to the Hebrews. Okay? So they have that context. They have that background. They have that very extensive knowledge of the Old Testament. Our young, our young men this morning, um, as Susie quizzed them on the Old Testament. And they were very immersed in their history and their story and in their scriptures of the Old Testament. So these people that the apostle is writing to, whoever it is, some believe strongly it's Paul, some believe it's one of the other apostles. You know, it, it, we don't know for sure. We can't be dogmatic about it. If it's not Paul, it's certainly someone very familiar with his teaching, his theology, his doctrines. But he's talking to his, his own people, his, his fellow Jews who are believers in Christ. In verse 1, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest, that is God's rest, still stands. We still have an opportunity to enter God's rest. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also, we Jewish believers today, Jewish people, that we also have the gospel, just as they actually had the gospel in the sense that the gospel means good news. 
That means good news. We also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. Old Testament people, people during the Old Testament era. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. You know, um, we teach that in the Old Testament era, how are people saved? I mean, that, that's, a, that's a very big topic. But we, in every era, in every dispensation, people, there's a role of faith. You know, when someone brought the sacrifices of the law to God, by bringing those sacrifices and shedding that blood, it was an act of faith. How do they know that saved for sin? Why would it save for sin? Why would it cover their sins, shedding the blood? When Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, should have all come together. Aha, that's why we've been doing it all these centuries. It was looking forward. We talked this morning about the types of Christ. It was looking forward to the cross of Calvary, but they did it in faith. When they did it without faith and just did it ritually, it became very damaging to the point that God, through the prophets, says to them, take away your sacrifices. They stink. They stink. Bring your heart. Then bring your sacrifice. Because faith and sacrifice were to go together. And he says here, he says here, that there was no value because those who heard it, they did not combine it with faith. But now we who believe, look at, enter that rest just as God has said. This is from the Old Testament. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. God's rest. And he goes on to talk about how on the seventh day, God rested from his work. You know, did God need to rest? God chose to rest. He chose to rest on the seventh day. And, and also, you know, when God created the world, I, yeah, I think it was energy. I think it was, it was work. It wasn't just like, okay, world created. It doesn't appear to be that way. He created everything, every intricate part of it, including us and how intricate we are. The more we know, the more we're astounded at how intricate we are. And God did all this, and he chose on the seventh day to rest. And he told the people of Israel, I am bringing you to the land of Canaan. You will rest there. It doesn't mean you will never work. No, they were there to do productive work. They were to work hard there. But it would be good work, and the land would respond, because he would bless them. They were to have rest in their own land. They were no longer going to be slaves. This was their home. And they were going to rest and rest down there, put their roots down there. And he says, but they would not enter my rest. And they lost the land because of sin and because of rebellion. They lost it. And so he goes on to say in verse 6, it still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them, they did not go in because of their disobedience. That was the, the 40 years of wandering. When they finally sinned, when they refused to follow God and go into the land because of the lack of faith, God said, you will not enter it. You cannot go into it. Only Joshua and Caleb will go. The rest of you will never go in that land. And they didn't. Even Moses was not allowed to go in the land because of their sin and his striking a rock when God told him to speak of it. They could not go into it. Therefore, verse 7, God again set a certain day, calling it today. When a long time later he spoke through David in the 95th Psalm, 
As was said before, today, now I want you to notice this, this is important here. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Now let's, let's look at Psalm 95 for just a moment. Psalm 95, the Psalm that, of David that speaks, that is quoted here. Actually, the first part of this psalm is another one that's very well, quite well known. We've seen songs. It begins, verse 1, Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. It goes on, verse 6. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord God our Maker. Sound familiar? Right? We sing that song. He is our God. We are the people of His pasture the flock under his care. And you notice that the very end of verse 7, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did at that day at Massah in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I had what I have done for them. When they when they refused and, and, and begged for water and throughout their time in the Years in the desert refused to believe God, refused to believe God, and tested. Moses finally comes to God and says, God, am I a, am I a, am I a nurse a, with nursing babies that I have to bring this whole nation of babies into the promised land? They kept resisting and resisting and resisting. And he says here in this psalm, verse 10, For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said they are people whose hearts go astray. They have not known my ways. I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. The verse 7b and verse 8. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And he, rec- he recalls for his Jewish brothers and sisters. Remember our story. Remember what our forefathers did. They hardened their heart. They heard God's voice. God spoke to them. They, they saw what happened on Mount Sinai when Moses went up there. We've been watching this volcano in, in uh, Hawaii, right? On the big island. Uh, I remember driving by that area some years ago when Teresa and I were there. And, you know, you've seen those pictures of that. Of, of, of you were nearby, how frightening that would be to see that lava and that shaking. They stood at Mount Sinai and they felt the shaking and they saw the darkness. And they saw God's power and they heard God's voice. And Moses came down and his face when he entered God's presence was, was shining. They heard Moses speak for God. They heard God's voice. They heard it. And they refused to believe. And God says to the people, because of that, you will never enter my rest. You will never enter my rest. And the author of Hebrews draws their attention to this. And he tells them, Don't do this again. He's telling his Jewish brothers and sisters, listen, we are telling you the story. The apostles have been preaching. Jesus Christ, son of David, Messiah, Mashiach, died on the cross. He is risen from the dead. We have seen him. He's alive. His blood covers your sins. You can receive forgiveness. Don't make this mistake again. This is the time is fleeting. Don't do this. Enter his rest. You, they heard God's word, but they refused to believe. In verse 9, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters rest also rests from his own work, 
just as God does. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest when the effort was embracing the message of salvation so that no one will fall by following their example of refusing God's word of disobedience. And here's our verse. Why? For the word of God. They heard God's voice and they refused. For the word of God, it is living. It is active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The word of God. They heard his voice and they hardened their hearts. And the apostles say to their fellow Jews, listen, you are hearing God's voice. You are hearing his word. Don't do this again. Then he describes the word of God, my friends. The word of God. It's only used elsewhere in chapter 13 and verse 7. But you know, it's interesting as we begin, he begins this epistle. This epistle to the Hebrews, he begins it this way. In the first chapter, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So this is the theme going into this book. God is speaking. He has spoken through Jesus Christ, his son. He has spoken to us. Don't deny the word of God. What do you think about this description of the word of God? A double-edged sword. Uh, this is not like a fencing type sword, you know, or the, you know, the big long type sword. This is either a, a, the short Roman sword that you see in pictures of them, you know, the short one for close combat, or it could even be a dagger. The word also could be described a butchering knife to, to butcher meat. But the idea that it's double-edged, it's double-edged, it's sharp, it is razor sharp, razor sharp. It's double-edged. And that word of God that is so sharp like a sword, but look what it can do. And look at the, I mean, look at this illustration he gives here. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit. Now think about that. Is the soul and spirit mixed up and needs to be separated? We'll look at the next example. Joints and marrow. Now, now think about it for a minute. Think about your skeletal structure. If you could see through my flesh here, you would see a joint, right? But where is the marrow? Dr. Mohandasan, where's the marrow? It's inside the bone. It's inside the bone. So why this illustration of, of separating joint from marrow when there's no way to separate them? I mean, joints and marrow aren't mixed anyhow, anyway. The, the marrow is inside the bone. The joint is the connection of those bones that contain... What is he saying here? I mean, think about this. Soul and spirit. Bones, joints, and marrow. And I've been thinking about what, what could this be? And then finally he says, to, to bring it to 
our level, he says, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Are my thoughts and attitude all mixed into one or are they separate? I wonder. I wonder if, and I don't want to be dogmatic, I can't say it. What is intended by this figure of speech? It's to emphasize the word of God penetrates so deeply. There is nothing in our total being or total personality that can be hidden from God. But is it, is it also possible that, that, you know, we all have a soul. I mean, I don't want to get into theological debate about are we body, soul, and spirit, or are we body and slash soul, spirit, you know, immaterial, material. But we all are alive. Every person is alive. We are made in the image of God. They, every person, God, they became a living what? A living soul. God breathed into them the breath of life. And Adam became a living soul. He sinned. And he died spiritually. God said, the day you eat it, you will die. And is it possible what, what he's saying here is it's the word of God that comes to a person and can, and can divide and penetrate. And so that, that, that living part of you then becomes, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you also become a living, you have the Spirit of God. You have spiritual life. You, these are two different things. It's not one thing mixed up that has to be cut in half. He's talking about two different things, one to the other. And then he says the Word of God judges. It's, it's the word kritikos, critique. Okay, it judges my thoughts and my attitudes. You know, the Bible says we we talked in our class this morning when the young men give their, uh, I think it was Noah had the question on the bema seat, and and you know for rewards, and it appears from Paul's writings that the judgment at the bema seat of Christ is is our our motivations and our attitudes. Did you do it? He, he says there'll be those who have who have served and worked. And their work will be burnt up like wood, hay, and stubble, but they will be saved as if by fire. These are people who, who were serving God, but they were doing it for themselves. And they were still saved. They will still be saved. But because they were doing it for themselves, it's all about them. You know, I could do that as a pastor. I could, I could serve as a faithful shepherd, or I could serve as one who's doing this really for myself. You could do that. We can all do that. What's our motive? Why are we serving God? Who are we serving? Why are we living the way we are living? It's the Word of God that can help us understand and come to clarity on that. Listen, friends, the Word of God is powerful. Then he says, finally, verse 13, nothing in all creation can be hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare to God, who is the author of life. First Peter chapter one and verse twenty three. Let me read it to you. First Peter chapter one and verse twenty three. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. All men are like grass, and all their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Amen? Listen, friends. We have been born again into new life through the living. Peter says the same thing. The living and enduring word of God. We are just conduits. 
It is the word of God. It is God's word that cuts through a person's life and their being and can bring them to faith through Jesus Christ. It is the word of God that convicts us of sin. It's the word of God that teaches us about God. And we sing these songs of worship. They are songs based on the word of God that we are singing to worship him, to know him. The word of God. I want to close with this. What is the word of God? You know, I think oftentimes we restrict it to the Bible. And I want to be careful I say this now. Hear me out. This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. We're the Brian Bible Church, right? We got a middle name, right? Okay. This is God's Word. God's Word teaches us, enlightens us. The Holy Spirit takes it and helps us to understand and and brings us to God. God's Word is also from God to us. Now, from our tradition, we are careful about saying, well, God spoke to me and told me something. And sometimes if someone says that right away, you know, what? You know, if I said to you, and we taught this to our young men in in, uh, Bible instruction class, that the apostolic gifts... The apostles had gifts. I'm not an apostle. I'm a pastor. I'm not a prophet. In the the New Testament, there were those who were given the gift of bringing special knowledge from God to the church because they didn't have the completed word of God. They didn't have it. And they gathered together. And they were searching and sorting through this. and, And people could bring God's revelation. These were spiritual gifts that were given to them. I understand that. And we and we understand that. We have the completed word of God. So if I ever said to you, Listen, last night God spoke to me. I have new revelation for you. I don't think you should believe me. Because all the revelation you need is in here. And where would that end? Where would that end? Where, where would that end if I had new revelation that, that said, well, I know the Bible says this, but actually Jesus wasn't really the Son of God. He wasn't really God Himself. God revealed to me, He was actually this. Are you not really saved by grace? Yes, it says that. But you have to understand, I've got some new revelation. Where would that end? Right? I am bringing interpretation. I am bringing understanding. But, let's be careful. I've had people. I've had people come to me and say, well, you know, Pastor Jim, I know people are going to think this is kind of funny, so I don't. I haven't told you, but I'm going to tell you in confidence. I feel God spoke to me and, and told me something. It had to do with something going on in their life and a decision they should make and what they should do. Why are we so skeptical? Now, now last week, um, when, when Bob and Patty were here, they shared about that lady in Afghanistan who, who God spoke to. And Barb and Dan Butler, whom we have supported for years, they, they told me that. And they told me, you know, where you're seeing this in these Muslim countries where, where they have no access to the Bible. They have, and these people have said, you know, God has spoken to me. How? What was it to them? God, and, it, and they've come to Christ. 
our brother from Jews for Jesus who spoke here a few years ago that we gathered with in Israel when we were there told us the same thing, and that's what brought him to Christ. That God revealed himself. You know, let's be careful. Let's be careful that we find that balance between holding up this as the final authority that we stand in that tradition, in the evangelical Protestant tradition, this is our final authority for faith and practice. Not the church. Not the church's interpretation. This is the final authority for faith and practice. But through this word, yes, God can speak to us. It may not be an audible voice. But when God leads you, when you're doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing and, and you know that God is telling you you shouldn't be doing this, is not God speaking. When you've got a decision to make and you've prayed about it and you've come and you've finally come to a peace about it and the Holy Spirit's given you a peace. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but this is where God has led me. Is that not God speaking to you? Listen, friends. God is at work. God is at work. The Bible, and as we study it and read it and meditate on it and consider it, it should lead us to our hearts to God. And God will speak to us through His Word. But if I bring something to you that's contrary to His Word, God is not speaking to me through that. So listen, friends. I want us to think about this verse. The Word of God... The Word of God is powerful. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than any sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is why we, we don't worship the Word, right? We don't worship the Word. But we understand this is God's final revelation and authority to us. And he speaks to us through his word as the Holy Spirit allows us to read it, to understand it, and to apply it to our lives. Are we listening? Am I listening? I, I would never ask you anything I wouldn't ask myself. You know that, right? You know that. I think you know me well enough. And I ask myself first, have I listened this week to God's word? Not just have I read God's Word, but have I listened to God's Word? Have I taken time to allow God to speak to me through His Word, to con convict me, to encourage me, to bring me peace, to give me assurance? Am I listening? Listen, friends, how do you listen? You know how you listen? You have to shut up. Amen. <laughs> that had to be Linda Herman, right? Oh, was it Linda? Oh, it was Faith. Okay. Sorry, Linda. <laughs> you were thinking it. Yeah. <laughs> Faith. Hawkwell. <Aquel>, my goodness. <laughs> yes, your teacher. Okay. Got it. We have to be quiet. We have to be quiet. Boy, that's hard to do. Some of you here that are, you know, you're, these kids that went out here, I look back on, on, on my life, you know, raising four children, and some of it's just kind of like a blur, right? There's so much going on. And we, it, all of us, we need to find time to be quiet. 
we need to go back to where we started this study. Remember how we started this study? Eat these words. I need to take better time. If anybody can, if anybody can excuse it, I can as a pastor, because I study the word all the time from, from messages. Well, that's fine, but do I take time to listen and to quiet down and let God speak to me? Because when He does, His words are sharper than any two-edged sword. Listen, look at the end. Let's, let's, can we just read the last of this chapter, talking about context? Verse 15. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. It's really the word empathy. To sympathize with our weaknesses. Do you, you ever feel weak? Christ sympathizes. He has empathy for your weakness and my weakness. I know my weakness. We have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Boy, is that good news. Amen? Listen to the Word of God. Allow His Holy Word to speak to you and respond. And let us not be like those in that day who refused to enter His rest. Let's come up, let's sing our, our final song. And then after we sing the song, we just sit down for a minute. I'm going to have the guys come up. We just want to present their Bibles to them today for their um, work the last two years in our Bible instruction class. So we need someone to go down and get Susie and uh, Noah and bring up because they're working with the children downstairs and uh, bring them up because they're going to help us present it. And we're going to close our... So what are we going to sing, John? Tis so sweet to trust Tis in so Jesus. Tis so sweet trust in Jesus. Amen. Let's sing it. Let's sing it to the Lord now, okay? Let's lift our voices and let's sing like we really are joyful Christians. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to
Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, sit down for just a moment, and I'm going to invite our six young men up, and Susie and Gary, Pastor Gary, come on up. You guys stand up here so everybody can see you. Come on up. We're all done with the testing and everything, so you should have a big smile on your face, all right? Come on, stand up here so we can see you. All right. These, uh, I know most of you, many of you were at Sunday school this morning, but these six have finished their two-year Bible instruction class, formerly called Confirmation. How many of you went through Confirmation? Bible? Whoa, look at that. Okay, all right. And uh, we offer this uh, alternating years, so next year it will start again for eighth graders. Eighth and ninth, Susie already asked you once, eighth and ninth next year. Eighth grade, eighth graders next year. And so we'll begin next year. Susie will teach the Old Testament. And I have to tell you, I just know uh, Susie loves doing this. <laughs> she really does. She's very passionate. Susie is a teacher at heart. She's a good administrator, right? And it's not like she hasn't got anything else to do. But she would never give us this. She loves teaching Bible instruction. I know that. Pastor Gary loves teaching. Pastor Gary loves to shepherd, and he loves to spend time with these young men. And I, of course, love to do this as well. This was kind of a unique class. It's all guys. It's not supposed to be that way, okay? So don't think if you're out there that you have to be a guy. This is not a chauvinistic thing. It just so happened this year it was all guys, okay? And also happens to three of them are my grandsons. So that was kind of unique. You know, it was kind of interesting. Um, but we're going to present them each with a Bible. It's a, a Schofield Study Bible, NIV, Thumb Index, Genuine Leather. I know you guys have... Probably have cell phones, and you can get the Bible on your cell phone. I know you have tablets. I know you have computers and Chromebooks and everything else. And I know that. I do too. Okay? But I still want you to have a Bible. Sometimes there's just something, something about holding the Bible and opening it up and reading it and looking through it. And I still have my Confirmation Bible. It's all worn out. It's falling apart. But I can't just throw it away, right? I still have my Bible. And so we want you guys to have this. And I'm going to ask uh, uh, Gary to come, and if you'll present the Bible, and Susie, will you give them a nice uh, shake, handshake, and uh, congratulations, the handshake, not shake, <laughs> okay? Um, and give them a, and uh, so first of all, Noah Fulford. Yeah. All right, give him a hug. There you go. That's good. It's all guys this year. That's easy. All right. Okay. Nathaniel Lindell. Nathaniel, Lord bless you. God bless you. Nathaniel, it's been great to have you in class. Now you guys shake his Oh, I'm sorry, Gary. That's your job. Yeah. <laughs> Evan Ward. There we go. All right. Evan Ward. Jack Ward. Jack Ward. Lord bless you there. Okay. Jacob Stillwagon. I've had all three to still wagon, young people. Jacob, Lord bless you. What we got there? Axel. Axel Gilson Leiter. Axel, Lord bless you, friend. Thank you so much. Okay, these guys, they did a great job. Um, I'm looking forward to hear the good things from you guys. Do you guys know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, all of you? Have you all accepted the Lord as Savior? Can you confirm that to us? And you've all 
committed your life to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're going to read that Bible, and you're going to make it a center part of your life and continue to grow and serve. Uh, uh, Jacob, I, I had your parents, your, 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 your dad. I knew him as a kid, and I've known you all these years, and the uh, Lord's blessing on you. Jack's my oldest grandson, and the uh, Lord bless you, Jack. And as you continue, and named after his grandfather, Jack Ward, of course, many of you know. Nathaniel Lindell. Nathaniel's such a hard-working guy. And Nathaniel, if you work as hard with God's Word as you do with everything you do in life, uh, God is really going to use you and bless you. Uh, uh, Noah Fulford, one of my grandsons. And uh, Noah is, is a young man who he studied really hard. He's growing. He's learning God's Word. And we praise the Lord for that. Evan Ward, another one of my grandsons. Okay, that's it. That's the last one. And uh, Evan, Evan uh, is named after me, Evan James, James Evan. So I'm counting on you, everybody. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to tell you this, but your great, great, great grandfathers were rabbis in the island of Rhodes. The Frankels were rabbis. So we got a little history of God's word there. Okay. Axel Gilson Leiter. Axel Gilson Leiter, go outside today and that cross on top of our roof, his grandfather made. I've known this family and I've known you since you were a baby, Axel. And man, it's just been so great to see you grow in the Lord, and uh, just the way you serve the children in our ministry. You guys are you guys are great, all of you guys, and I'm so proud of you. All right, you guys deserve that because every one of these guys. Not only is learning, they are serving. Every one of them help and serve in ministries and do things to serve God. And we are so thankful for that. We're going to ask you to stand. As we stand and close in prayer, what I'm asking you as a congregation is that you see these young men up here. You see these young men up here. And I'm counting on you to pray for them. I'm counting on you to encourage them. I'm counting on you to step forward and lead and teach children and youth in our church when God calls you to do that. Because this is what this is one of the most important ministries for those of us who grew up in this church. When I was their age, I grew up hearing from the pulpit, back up here in those days, Pastor Peterson, and he drilled it into our church. We are here for the young people. We are building these facilities for the young people. We are spending money in the gym, in our Christianate, for the young people. And you know what? I actually believed it. I actually believed this church was for us. And I want you guys to have that same understanding that we're here for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for each one of these young men. I thank you for... It's been a joy to teach them. I know Susie and Gary say the same thing. It's been fun to teach them. They've been interactive. They ask questions. Good questions. They challenge us sometimes with the questions. And Lord, they are serving you. I know each one of these young men. And I know. I know they are living for you right now. They are walking with you. They're not perfect. We're not perfect. But what a blessing to see these young men growing up with the support of a church family and their own family who love you and who serve you. And boy, Lord, that pays off. That investment pays off. Bless them. Use them. Challenge them. May they hear your word. 
In Christ our Savior's name, all God's people can say together, Amen. Amen. Now listen, I'm going to dismiss these guys first. You guys can go on out. Why don't you go to the Narthex? People might want to say hi to you and uh, just greet you. You have to what? Just go, Evan. You get it. <laughs> and then also the uh, silent auction to send our young people, uh, two of the guys are going on that trip, to the mission trip that's going to go till 1 o'clock. So if you'd like to go in there and look around, finish bidding, uh, please do that. There's also uh, Joseph Lindell, Nathaniel's dad, will be doing his famous hamburgers for lunch. If you'd like to buy hamburger, all the proceeds go to the auction as well. But uh, you can do that now, and uh, thank you. Thank you for coming today. I want to tell you again, and I never take this for granted, there are so many places you could be today on a day like this, and you have chosen to come and be a part of this ministry. God bless every one of you. Amen.